If you have a Bible, what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. This, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. So if you're not very familiar with Scripture, you're not very familiar with the Bible, Acts actually comes from a longer phrase that was shortened. It was, it was called the Acts of the Apostles. And so basically, after Jesus had gone back into heaven, the book of Acts tells us what the apostles did, how the early church got started, and how people started to live out this life that Jesus had called them to. And in Acts chapter 9, we meet a guy who's a very, very interesting character. We meet a guy named Saul. Now, Saul would later change his name to Paul and go on and write half the books of the New Testament. So 13 books in the Bible written by this guy, Saul. But when we first meet him, when we first encounter him here in Acts chapter 9, he's not the most typical guy that you would think to be doing scripture writing, to be leading church, to be making disciples. And so in Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1, here's where we first encounter Saul. And this is what it says. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, these are basically people who follow Jesus, so he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to on the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul had an idea of how his life should be going. And actually, the more you read about Saul and the more background you do on Saul, you'll find that he was actually succeeding wildly at the life that he had chosen for himself. He had been trained by the best legal and religious minds of his day. He was a Pharisee. And not only that, but he goes on his right and later letters to people. He was like a Pharisee that Pharisees liked. He was the cream of the crop, one of the smartest, brightest, young rising stars. And he had gotten in his mind that his life mission was to stamp out Christianity because he saw it as a threat to Judaism. He saw it as this false prophet. And so he decided, I'm going to do everything in my power to destroy Christianity. This makes a great case for someone to go on and write most of the Bible, if you ask me. But Saul is like, I'm going to do whatever I can. And so he was on his way to Damascus to literally drag Christians that he found out and make them prisoners and torture them. This is the guy that we meet in chapter 9. He was really, really good at a life God never intended for him. He was really, really good going in a direction that was leading nowhere. And so he has what most people have at some point in their life that become Christians. He has an encounter with Jesus. But he has like a super encounter. I mean, he literally gets knocked off his horse when he meets Jesus or his donkey, whatever he was riding. And he goes blind. And so Saul, this super, super smart, super, super motivated guy, gets knocked down. He's blind, and he's so shocked by what's going on, he cannot eat and he cannot drink for three days. Saul is stuck in a really bad place. All of his friends don't know what's going on. Uh, they, they're like, yeah, we, we heard something, but I don't know. I didn't see anybody. And so Saul is in Damascus. 
He's in the most helpless state that he can possibly be in. He cannot see, he cannot eat, he cannot drink. And for three days, he's stuck wondering, what is going on with my life? And so, if we're going to pick it up in the very next verse. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in, in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, Ananias is not an idiot, okay? He's heard of this Saul. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is like, uh, God, are, are you sure about this? Because we've heard of Ananias. I mean, we've heard of Saul. We know why he's coming here. He's coming here to actually find me and other people like me, drag us out and throw us in prison or worse. Are you really, really sure this is what you want me to do? But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming in, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eye and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days, that's a tongue twister, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. For those of us who've grown up in church or for those of us who follow Jesus for a while, we tend to think of Paul as one of the heroes of the faith, and rightly so, because he did some amazing, amazing things. But what we always need to remember is that Saul became Paul because he met Jesus and he had some people that helped him out. See, Saul can't just go ahead and get started. He has literally lost all of his friends. As soon as he decided to follow Jesus, everyone that associated with Saul dropped him as a friend, dropped him as an acquaintance, dropped him as someone that was in their social circles because he basically just went for the other team. He just switched allegiances. He just said, okay, yeah, I was a fan of this. Now I'm a follower of this. Everyone who knew Saul would have just deserted him. He was alone. He was hungry. He he was thirsty. He was blind. And what he desperately needed was a follower of Jesus to reach out to him. He'd met Jesus. He decided to follow Jesus. He needed another Christ follower to come alongside him. And that's what he found in Ananias. And he spent time with the disciples there in Damascus, the very same people he'd come to arrest. And they poured into him. They invested into him. And Saul immediately goes out and starts preaching about the life change he experienced. He starts preaching that, yes, that Jesus is true. A couple months later, he goes back down to Jerusalem where he'd started. And there's another problem. When he goes back down to Jerusalem, and this is the verse, uh, starting in verse 26, this is what it says. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And this is the start of one of the greatest missionary lives ever. For the next 30 to 40 years, everywhere Paul goes, he's working with a team of people to tell others about Jesus. Everywhere Paul goes for the next 30 to 40 years, lives are changed. But Saul, the terrorist, became Paul, the evangelist, because he met God and then he had groups of people that walked alongside him and helped him out. See, the whole point of today, when we talk about this word become, become who God intended you to be, The thing that I want us to walk away from and the thing I want us to take with us is that everyone needs someone to help them grow. Paul writes half the New Testament. He needed Ananias. He needed Barnabas. He needed somebody to walk alongside him. We don't become the people God intended us to be by ourselves. It's impossible. God himself exists in community. We have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When God said, let's make man in our image in Genesis, the, he starts, starts going, oh, this is good, this is good. He starts creating all these different things. This is good, this is good, this is good. The first time in the Bible God says something isn't good is when it says, and man was alone. We were never, ever created to walk this world and walk this life alone. And so when we talk about what do we want to be as a church, how do we bring hope not only to the people in this room but to our community as well? When we say, become who God intended you to be, you cannot do that alone. Paul couldn't. Paul needed a ton of help just simply to get his life back on track. And the more that you read about Paul and the more that you read the letters that he writes in the New Testament, everywhere he goes, he's always got a team with him. He's always got a group of people. We know Paul because he's the famous one, but he had, most places, he had like seven or eight guys and people working with him to make a difference in whatever city he went to, whatever city he traveled to, to tell people about Jesus. We get the book of Luke, one of the Gospels, and we get the book of Acts that we were just reading out of from one of Paul's co-workers. Luke wrote Luke, which makes sense. It's got his name on it. And he wrote the book of Acts because he worked alongside Paul. It was a team effort. We have to become a people who walk alongside each other. I can't become who God intended me to be by myself. You can't become who God intended you to be by yourself. You need a group. You need a team. Now, some of you guys are out there and you're thinking, you know what? I'm busy, Jeremy. Honestly, I really do not have time to do this. Or I don't have this or I don't have that. And as I was thinking, I was thinking, what are some really good reasons to not join a group, to not be a part of a community here at Adventure? And I came up with a couple, and if these apply to you, you're probably right. You don't need to join a group. If you will never have a problem in your life, you probably don't need to join a group. Like, if, you, if your life has been 100% perfect up till now, and you can say with certainty that for the rest of your life, I'll never have another problem again, you probably don't need to join a group. Because what groups do is they support each other. They take care of each other. When one person has a need, they meet it. When one person has something to rejoice about, they rejoice with them. They mourn with them. And if for you, if you're like, hey, look, I ain't got no problems. I never have and never will. All right, good. You probably don't need to join a group. Um, I was just thinking about this past week. It's been a crazy, crazy week here at Adventure. Uh, Let's see. I saw five students give their life to Christ this past week. Let's celebrate that. We we also buried a 14-year-old girl this week. We signed papers to move into a building uh, sometime later this year. Yeah. 
found out a girl in uh, our student ministry was cutting herself. Heavy week. Joyous week. Need people to, man, walk alongside. Need people to celebrate with. You don't walk along this world and become all who God intended you to be by yourself. It's just impossible. Another reason you might not need a group is if you're 100% perfect at everything. If you are good at every single thing you do and you've never made a mistake and you never need help from anyone, you're right, you probably don't need to join a group. But if there's the slightest chance that you might ever not be good at something and need someone to help you out, a group really comes in handy. It saves you a lot of money. And here's what I mean. I have the mechanical skills of a four-year-old girl, okay? Like, if you give me a nail and a hammer and say, put the nail there and hit the hammer, you have reached my capacity as a mechanic and as a carpenter and as everything else. I can change a flat tire, but anything beyond that, no. I love having friends who are like, oh, yeah, Jeremy, you just do this, just do this, and nine times out of ten, they're like, okay, I'll do it. But it saves me money. It saves me time because I'm, there's a lot of things I'm just not good at. Having a group of people that can come alongside me, that can support me, that can actually give real practical help. Like, the early church had to be in groups because it's the way they survived. One of the things that we've gotten really good at because of what the country we live in is that we get really, really successful at leading really, really isolated lives. Because let's face it, for a lot of us, we can pay our bills without any help. We can go home, go watch TV, go watch something on Netflix, go to bed, go up, get up, go to work, and we don't actually need anyone else to just keep breathing. I'm not going to call it life because it's not really life, but we are living, we're breathing, and we're isolated, and it seems like something's missing, but we're scared to try anything different. And so for a lot of us, the thing that we could really do that would really make a difference is stop being wildly successful at a life that's not working. When I think about the story of Saul, he was wildly successful at a life that was going nowhere. He was going in the exact opposite direction of Jesus, but he was doing a really, really good job at it, and everyone was telling him how good he was at it. And it was just, the only problem was is that he was just miserable, and he was headed in the complete wrong direction. And a lot of us have gotten really, really good at leading lives that go nowhere. One of the reasons we need to join a group is that for a lot of us, we're an Ananias. There is someone in our community that needs the hope that we can bring. The reason we need to join a group is that for a lot of us, we're Saul. We're stuck in a situation. We're not really sure how we're going to get out of it. And we just need another Christian to walk beside us and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'll pray with you. We'll walk this road together. You need each other. I need you. You need me. Every Thursday night, I meet with a group of guys. and We study scripture. We study the Bible. And a lot of times, yes, the studying of the scripture is very important. It helps us grow spiritually. But I need them to help me. We end every time. How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life that we need to walk through together? Some days, it's amazing things. Some days, it's just like, hey, not much. But if you could, just pray for me about this. I need those group of guys. That group of guys needs me. And so here's what we're going to do. Instead of me continuing to talk on and on and on about joining a group or being a part of a group, what we're going to do is I'm going to pray here in a second. We're going to wrap things up. We're going to go through like the normal service. But I'm cutting my message short. We're cutting worship short because out in the lobby, we have a bunch of different groups that you can go and sign up to be a part of. 
Now, let me talk about one fear of groups that I actually think is legitimate. The ones I talked about earlier were obviously a little bit of sarcasm thrown in. One of the things that I hear from people, and I, and I get this, and they're like, hey, I would love to join a group, but I don't want to be the new guy. I don't want to be the new couple. You know, you walk in, and they're already, there's like all the inside jokes are established, and you're like, ah, ha, 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 they're like, oh, yeah, you probably don't get that. It's, um, see, a couple months ago, and if you have to explain the joke, it just doesn't work. And so no one likes to be that new couple walking in where all the relationships are established. So what we're going to do here at Adventure is we're going to start three brand new groups. We're calling them taster groups so that you get a taste of what group life is like. They only last for four weeks. And the the whole reason we're setting them up is so that no one has to be the new couple, the new person, the new guy. Everyone is the new person for these groups. You'll find information about them in the lobby, but if if you've been looking for community, if you've been looking for a group and you're like, I need a place to jump in and start, we've got these groups here brand new. Everyone's going to be new. You can jump into them. You get four weeks to experience it, and then from there, the group can decide what we're going to do next. But we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to join a group because our church is staking our strategy for bringing hope bringers on this idea of become, and you need a group to become. We need to engage with God and others. We need to become who God intended us to be. When we were talking about the language we wanted to use, and we said, should we make it who God created us to be, or who God intended us to be. And we settled on the word intended, and the story of Saul kind of still demonstrates why. Intended, because a lot of us are living a life, and we're like, is this what I was created for? No. Saul was living a life that he was really, really good at, and it was not what he was created for. So we need to go to what God intended for us, because some of us aren't where we we need to be. We need to move to where God intended us to be. You were created for more, God has more that he intends for you. And so today as we wrap up, I want to extend an invitation to you guys. Some of you can completely identify with Saul right now. You're like, yes, I am wildly successful at a life that is taking me nowhere. I've never met Jesus, and I'm sick of the way my life is going. I've gotten really good at being miserable. And if that's you, if you've never met Jesus, because like I said, the whole story starts with Saul meeting Jesus. If you've never met Jesus, if you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life, then here in a second when the band plays, I'm going to come down here. Our prayer team will be down here. We would love to pray for you and introduce you to Jesus because the worst thing that could happen today is that you go on and continue living a life that's taking you nowhere and that's making you miserable. For a lot of us, our next step is that when we get done today, just go down the lobby and sign up for a group. And there's, oh yeah, there's a ton of questions. What about my kids? What about this? What about that? Hey, look guys, we are the body of Christ. We love one another. If you've got kids, bring them along. If they're misbehaving kids, welcome to the rest of everybody else's life too. Everyone seems to think that every other, everyone else's kids are like perfect until you actually talk to them. If you've got kids, we're going to figure that out. If you're like, well, I'm a this or I'm a that or how do I fit in? Hey, look, Jesus Christ died so that you would fit in. Jesus Christ died so that you could be a part of this. He wrote, if he can defeat death, he can defeat the awkwardness of whatever situation you're in. We love you enough that we're saying we want to spend the rest of our life walking beside you in community. Let's get rid of anything that interferes with that. I'm going to pray. The band is going to come up, and we're going to just spend some time. If you need to accept Jesus, though, today, let's talk down here. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, my prayer is that no person walks out this door today without taking one step forward, whether that's to accept you as Lord and Savior for the first time, or whether that's to join a group and start living in community. 
Life is too short to do it alone. Life is too short to continue banging our head against a wall. Life is too short to feel isolated and like no one cares. You died on the cross so that we would know relationship with you. Lord, my prayer is that none of us would walk away today alone anymore. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.